Welcome to the Rare and Remarkable podcast featuring stories from the sales of RR Auction in Boston. My name is Bobby Livingston, and that's what we're going to do. When we put together an auction, we tell stories, and we're going to tell some stories to you now. Uh, we tell stories through things like original handwritten letters from famous people, a letter that might shed new light on history. Uh, usually twice a month, we hold auctions of some of the most remarkable things you can imagine. And, and today, we have, uh, we have one of my favorite types of archives. It's an archive of material that comes from an original source. Our consigner is a musician named Eric Leeds. He's a lifelong uh, professional sax player, tenor sax player, uh, and he happened to play with Prince during a, a very famous prolific period in the 80s. And what makes uh, Eric's collection great, it, not only is it in mint condition, it's that uh, Prince was his boss. And these are handouts and other paper archivist materials that were given to Eric as part of his job. And because he saved them, uh, 30 years later, we can retell the story of the Purple Rain Tour under the Cherry Moon uh, and his famous Madhouse project. And you can see all of these things at our website at rrauction.com. Hello, Eric. Thanks for being here. Oh, Bob, thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm not sure how we found you, but I'm sure I'm sure glad we did. I believe your your brother and, and his wife uh, Gwen. Yeah, my sister-in-law. Yeah, Alan and Gwen. Mm -hmm. Right. So so uh, they had a long-term relationship with Prince. I believe your brother was uh, his manager at some point, and he pulled you into this gig, even though you you were about thirty years old, thirty-five years old. I, yeah, I was in I was in my early thirties when I started working with Prince. You know. And it was entirely, it was entirely um, nepotism. I mean, bold, bold, naked nepotism. Alan had uh, was was Prince's tour manager at the time, tour manager, office manager. He was kind of the the chief of staff, more or less. And um, there was an opportunity. Uh, Prince was in the process of of putting together a new group that he was going to be producing called the Family. Um, Prince would not perform in this group, but he was, you know, writing all the music and producing the album, ostensibly really playing most of the instruments on the album, except for the lead vocals. And it was the first um, first music of Prince's that he decided to uh, use a saxophone in. And my brother happened to have heard about that from Prince, and, and he just, you know, he said, well, Prince, you know, I just happened to know somebody. <laughs> That plays the saxophone, so you might you might be worth checking him out. Anyway, that that is pretty much uh, how I got involved. I I see. Now, were you was Purple Rain already in the can when you came along, or were, yes, it 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 had. Um, I think I think the 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 day that I met Prince um, was in July of uh, 1984. Um, I. Don't recall if the album had been officially released yet, but the first single, "When Doves Cry," um, certainly had already been out there. And and uh, the movie, I think, was going to be premiering. Um, I think a couple of weeks after I, I met Prince and started working with him. So so it was right in the middle of when all that was starting to hit. Wow. So so did you you recorded with him first before? going out on tour because I think some of the things that we have from uh, you, that you've consigned are, t you know, really cool, like tour, tour itineraries and 
you know, all, all kinds of maps to your hotels and where where you're going. So. Right, right. Well, well, what I did is the first things I like I say that I did was Prince was recording the music for this album, The Family. That uh, and and while we were recording that in July of '84, that album wasn't even going to be scheduled to be released until the following year. Uh, it actually didn't come out until I think the spring of '85. Meanwhile, he was gearing up. Um, you know, with the success of, of, of Purple Rain, the album, the movie and everything, he and his band were gearing up to go out on tour uh, in support of all that uh, in fall of 84. And what happened was um, he would ask me to come out and just kind of sit in with the band. You know, at that point, I wasn't really yet a member of, of, of his band, The Revolution, but he was asking me to come out on, on the Purple Rain tour. And he would just kind of bring me up on certain songs just to, just to play solos while, while the, you know, the band was doing their choreography and routine. And at that point, nobody in the world knew, knew who the hell I was. I was just some anonymous guy with a saxophone on stage. And um, so that, that's, that's really how that started. And then after the following year when the Family album uh, was released, we had a, we had a hit, hit single with that called The Screams of Passion. And um, unfortunately, what happened is is that project kind of faltered. Um, the, the the lead singer Paul Peterson decided to kind of pursue other opportunities that he had. So the family project kind of fell apart. And at that point, I was fortunate enough already have been working in in the studio with Prince on other things that he then asked me to just become a member of his band, The Revolution. At that point, uh, that's kind of kind of where it got me on the road with him for the next several years as just a member of his band. Wow. So what was it like when, when you, when you got out there on the purple rain tour, that first tour, what was, what, what was that like? What was the energy like when you, when you first started to play out there live? Well, the, 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 the first real recollection I have is before I even played a gig with him or whatever. Um, I sat on the soundboard one night to, to, you know, just watch the concert um, I had never, I had never even ever seen Prince perform live before that, other, uh-huh. other than just the, the, you know, having seen the performance sequences that were in the film Purple Rain. But I'd, I'd never really seen Prince perform live before that, so it was kind of fascinating just to see that. But I, I recall sitting on the soundboard watching that program, and and you know, I grew up. Um, before Alan, my brother worked for Prince back in the late '60s and early '70s. Alan was um, national tour director for James Brown, and I had the opportunity to have grown up around James Brown and the whole James Brown band and all of that. So I had already kind of had experience with being around, you know, pop superstars. And it wasn't like I hadn't seen my share of, of rock concerts and pop concerts, right. like or Earth, Wind, and Fire, and people, you know, like that. So. But sitting in in a concert hall and watching the Purple Rain tour was unlike anything I'd, I'd ever witnessed before, as far as just the energy and the sound coming, the the the, the level of noise coming from the audience was like any, any unlike anything I had ever witnessed before. And I remember sitting there just thinking and said, "Oh, I get it. This is what it must have been like to have been at a Beatles concert." Really? Wow. Yeah. It, it, you know, it it, it was it was just bordering on mania. I mean, it was it was almost frightening. I mean, you know, it was like, oh my God, you know, this this is something else entirely. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, because if you saw James Brown, I mean, I I've seen that that Tammy show, which is which is almost like a Beatles concert, that performance, Absolutely. and so. I can imagine yeah. if Prince was up to that level, that must have been remarkable. Absolutely, uh, f- uh, f- yeah. you know, f- for you these these itineraries that you have is pretty. You know, it's a. I don't. I don't know how many how your note keeping was back in the day, but this is a great little archive to show you. You know, you visited Boston and you you were in in London and even in like Sheridan, Wyoming. I mean, you yeah. got you got around. It's cool yeah, stuff. We, we got we got around. Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's, I don't know, I guess it's, it's just, um, I, I don't know who, who holds on to that kind of stuff and who doesn't, but I just always kind of kept the sampling of itineraries and, and, and the daily memos that we would, you know, receive, um, just as kind of, yeah, my own little kind of personal scrapbook things and, and, uh, um, just to tuck away in a file, and you, you know the the interesting thing is is that those aren't things that I would that any of us ne- would necessarily think would have any value to anybody other than just us or whatever. I suspect there would be a point in time where I would one day want to downsize and just look through my files, the ephemera, and all stuff like that, and says, you know, I really don't need this stuff any longer. Let me just either just throw it. In a file, or, or give it to somebody if anyone's interested, or just throw it out. And of course, all of a sudden, we realize, oh, there really are collectors for things like this. Um, you so, bet there are. Do you, do you do you collect things yourself? I mean, yes, the- I, I do. I mean, not not to that extent. Uh, Alan it, um, is that, was at one time an avid baseball card collector. He still has a um, a baseball card collection. I don't think he collects nearly to the degree that he did years ago. Um, I I have a uh, I have a passionate interest in in railroads and model railroads and things like that. So for a period of time, I was collecting old Lionel trains and and uh, you know very very tiny little collection. But I do have an understanding of what it means for a collector, you know, who has a passion in, 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 a, in a particular pursuit. So, um, yeah, so, it, it, you know, after a while I realized that, you know, if, if, if this is something that I'm ready to just kind of throw out, but somebody is like going to grab my arm, metaphorically speaking, and say, hey, wait a minute, I might really want that, then it's like, well, okay, let, <laughs> let's see what it's worth. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you kept it. One of the neat things um, that that you have from the parade tour is a is a set list where I guess you guys had to learn a, a bunch of Joni Mitchell songs. I see a, a, a case was a case of you and blue. Yeah, yeah, those, those were those really um, you know particular particularly when Prince would would be gearing up for the next tour, he would um, just send us out a whole list of songs to be familiar with, and to, and to be honest, we we never we never we never performed that tune. That Joni Mitchell. I never remembered actually ever performing it or even getting to it in a rehearsal. So some of that stuff were just the first thoughts that Prince might have is, oh, this is my what I might think about wanting to do with the band on the next tour. Um, and by the time we actually would then get into rehearsals, then things things would start to coalesce and get a lot more specific about what it is that we would actually end up doing. So it, it you know a lot of those things and items that I might have were, were just the, the, the kind of stream of consciousness work product of, of 
you know, you know, the process. Yeah, but it's a great record uh, uh, of that date. This this particular document you have is from January third, nineteen eighty six, and another favorite mm-hmm. part of it. It's Alexa de Paris, or the, I wouldn't Alexa de Paris, I suppose. But de Paris, yeah. He mm-hmm. he left a note here. Wendy, learn lead guitar. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because on on the recording of that, um, you know, it was Prince playing guitar on that, and and I guess Prince has thought that during the performance of it live. Um, he would have Wendy play it instead of Prince. At the, and, and, and that's actually what the song was. We did perform that song several times, and it was kind of a feature for Wendy, because at that point, if I recall, in that particular performance, Prince would go off stage, and he was you know, on an off-stage dressing room changing clothes while the band would then perform that song, and then he would come out in a new, new outfit for the next song to pick up the performance from then. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that, this is like a historic record, you know? Again, I, sure. I, I can't emphasize enough how grateful we are that you saved these things and we can get them into the hands of someone that appreciates them. You, uh, you know, I, I, you even have like a very simple thank you for everything print signed note. And it's, you know, it's, 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 he uses the letter U instead of Y-O-U and number four for right. everything. Mm-hmm. And, the, and this is pre, you know, uh, those of you out there, you know, there wasn't uh, text messaging in those days. <laughs> no, no. And, and, oh, thank God for that back then. Oh, I can't imagine what it was, you know, for, for people who were, were working for Prince later in the days of cell phones. I can't, ima- I can't imagine what that was like. But, you know, I, I was very fortunate to be working with him at a time when, when yeah, text message and cell phones weren't, weren't, weren't ruling the day yet. Um, yeah, that that particular note, thank you note, was uh, we 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 had been working um, off and on in the studio, just more more often than not, just him and myself um, working on various things in the studio. We were out in in L.A. Um, for several weeks, and then one one afternoon, I was uh, received a, just a note um, in my hotel room, and it was just this card from him, just you know, just and I mean, it 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 wasn't like he wouldn't thank anybody on any given day for anything that that he felt that he felt like thanking somebody for but it was it was you know occasionally i'm not i'm certainly not the only person that he might do something like that for um uh, but yeah those were you know odds and ends and things like that that occasionally would would uh would pop up so. he he had such distinctive handwriting you know we've uh, yeah. luckily had several examples of his handwriting but just the way he wrote that to you it's just such a flourish what do you think mm-hmm. that handwriting, you know, you, you worked for him and you knew his artistic abilities and his passions, sure. but that handwriting, I mean, what do you think of that handwriting? What did that say about him? Well, I, there's, there's a part of me that, that um, kind of understands that I, I think at an early point in his career, um, you know, there, there's very little about Prince's career and what he did and how he handled and, and, and approached things that wasn't um, rather well thought out. And and all else being equal, this was a guy who I think was very much, um, you know, con- in- interested in how he could maybe set himself apart from other people, not only with his music, but just in, you know what 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 Prince did that was very clever um, was he created a, he, he created his own backstory, you know, it, it kind of a subtext to his his persona. Uh, he kind of invented himself, I think, and and I think his his handwriting and and the particular you know like using the number four, you know the 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 digit four instead of writing out the word 
and using just the letter U instead of writing out Y-O-U was just something that I think he decided to develop probably at a young age just to kind of, of, of you know, make something a little more distinctive. And, of course, once he did that and saw that it, that it worked for him, then it was something that I think over a period of time he very naturally just kind of it, it, it became who he was. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, I, I think that that kind of transferred into popular culture and so many people do it now. Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. incredible influence. Yeah, I mean, it was like he, he was, he was, you know, he, he was inventing emojis before anybody knew what that term was. Absolutely. Yeah. He, yeah. You know, you know, the, some of the other things we have, uh, again, that people might not realize what they are is we have acetate test pressings of some of the stuff that you, the two of you did for, for Madhouse. For Madhouse, and why yeah. Don't you, why don't you explain what, you know, it's hard to realize that in order to walk out of a studio in the 80s, you had to take home with you <laughs> an well, it, record. Exactly. I mean, at, at that point, you know, all the test references that we would take directly home from the studio would just be old analog cassettes. I mean, I still, you know, the, the, I mean, not to give this away because, you know, the biggest cache of stuff I have are all of these analog cassettes of rough mixes of, of um, mostly of things that have been unreleased. Now, unfortunately, legally, I can't, I can't sell those because they are still, you know, music that are, 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 you know, that either I don't own the copyright and don't have the right to, you know, but irony is probably those, those are probably would be the most sought after things that I have. Um, but what I can, you know, what I can um, um, put up for, for auction and, you know, for people who are interested are uh, some of these test pressings. Um, what, what the, you know, the process is, is that, of course, this back in the day when vinyl was still the primary uh, media by which, you know, recordings were released. And what would happen is that the initial um, pressing of a vinyl album would then either be sent to Prince or myself or whoever the artist is. It's just an, it's a normal process back in the, in, in the day. And um, since basically I was the one responsible for um, signing off on the final approval of the, of, of the mixes and the sequence and all of that, of, of, of the, the Madhouse material, that, that those test pressings basically would then be sent for me to listen to and just make sure, you know, basically the, the audio equivalent of making sure that all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted and that everything sounds the way it was supposed to sound. And for people who don't, don't understand what an acetate is, it's, it's a material that's not really, um, you know, the plastic that, is, that you would find in, in, in just a regular vinyl album. It's a very hard, thick um, material that was used just by the, the, the cutting lathe of, of, a, of a turntable in a studio, in a mastering studio. There was just a different material that was used. Um, it's much more fragile because it's, it's, it's much more easily breakable than, than vinyl. And it tends to wear out over a period of time. So it's not something that you're actually going to want to play continuously. Um, it's just a, it's just a more easily usable material for the purpose of just cutting a, a reference disc. So the mastering house or the mastering, um, engineer would cut this and then send it to me for the final approval, I'd listen to it. And then I'd call them back and I'd say, uh, you need to adjust this or this, this is okay. In this case, this one was the actual, uh, reference for the second Madhouse album, the album that was entitled 16. 
and um, that's the one that I listened to and, and called the mastering engineer and said, this is fine. You can then send your reference disc to the, man, to the actual manufacturer from which the actual retail product is going to be manufactured. So it's a one-of-a-kind. Absolutely uh, one-of-a-kind, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. and, and, and only probably played. How many times do you think you listened to that? Because it's in mint condition. Oh, I fact I listened to it only enough times for me to just be sure that it was correct, which may have been like two or three times at most. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, amazing. Uh, a, couple, a couple of other things that you have, I think, is really cool is you've, you consigned your uh, Sign of the Times stage outfit which is i don't know man i don't think you can get away with that today it's pretty it's pretty 1980s isn't it oh absolutely yeah you know yeah <laughs> i mean that's you know you know that's something like okay you know what what yeah not something i'm actually going to be worried about wearing nowadays so. <laughs> now yeah. did you guys now, have the prop yeah go ahead no did you have lots of costume changes or was this the main costume you wore on the whole the whole tour um I had, um, oh, I might have had maybe three or four. I, I had some other suits, um, you know, some three-piece suits that, and, and those have kind of, you know, a lot of those disappeared. And, and actually, probably, I, I never had reason to even hold on to many of, 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 of the costumes that were made for me. God knows where, where those, where most of them have ended up. Um, but this was just one that, for, for whatever reason, this is one that just ended up, somehow in my closet. Well, I'm glad, and, I'm glad you, you saved it. You know, one of the, one of the ways we authenticate stage used uh, costumes like this is not just um, photographs, but Eric, mm-hmm. we do go look at the armpits and look for wear and sweat, you know, because it, because that's how you, you know, it's not the second or the backup one, you know, we have, we have to go right, check exactly. these, you got to go check these things out, you know, so I wanted Absolutely. to let you yeah. know we're, we're a hundred percent confident. I think probably <laughs> from, from a collector standpoint, if there's anything that, you know, that the, the collector for that might have even more interest in just to what the suit is that I wore is the fact that, um, all of the all of the boots that I would wear for the stage stage costumes were were handmade for me by the same guy that made all of Prince's boots. Wow. Yeah. So um so I was you know, those those I held on to. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna wear those. You're gonna still wear those, huh? <laughs> no, I can't wear no, I can't wear those either any longer either. Plus they the you know, while the heels on my boots were, were not anything close to the heels on Prince's boots, they were still kind of you know, rather tall Spanish heel boots and not, not exactly something that I'd be wearing a lot of nowadays. So. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's awesome. Well, um, there's, you've got a whole, I don't know how many, maybe 20 or 30 lots in this sale. That's, uh, yeah, I got a lot of stuff there. Mm-hmm. It's September, uh, 27th, 2017 is the sale, but I think the, uh, maybe the last thing we can talk about, uh, it's Prince, I guess with on his logo on a card, writes to you, I'm going to try to read it, so mm-hmm. bear with me. Prince yep. says, I thank you. Holly thanks you. My thank you, 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 damn. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yep. Explain that, Eric. I think that's... Well, that that was... Um, I, I'd been in, in the studio doing, um, doing a horn arrangement for a song of his that was called Holly Don't Care. And I believe the song was eventually released, not under his name, but uh, I think it was released on an album um, by his first wife, Maite. And I think he actually changed the lyric, um, the, the title of the song. But the original title that I was 
working on when, when I was working on was a song called Holly don't care. And, um, he, you know, he wasn't at the recording session for that. He just left instructions, just left a track for me to, to work on. And, um, you know, I, I, I got that card from him, you know, I guess, oh, maybe a couple of weeks afterwards. And, um, you know, occasionally if, if it was something that he was really genuinely um, pleased about what I, what I had done or what anyone else had done, sometimes he would just call me and just say, hey, man, that was really cool. I really, I really dug what you did on that. Um, but in this particular case, he felt strong enough or, or, uh, to have just, you know, uh, written that card. Now, the, the interesting thing is, is that, as, as you mentioned, it's a card that has his, his symbol on it, because that was at the period of time when he was not using the name Prince, when he was, you know, the, the, just this, the symbol guy. Right, right. So, um, so he had, um, he had uh, they were embossed cards that were, were made up for his use at that time that he could use for whatever personal notes that he might want to, you know, write to anybody. Um, and of course, once you open the envelope and see that symbol, then he said, well, there's no mistaking who this is from. (laughs) Damn, he says. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I I mean, now, you know, at that point I was no longer, um, uh, a member of his band. I was no longer really on payroll to him. I, I was, you know, my own, I, you know, I was still signed to Paisley Park, uh, under my own name at that time, but still, you know, just doing things in the studio for him at that time. So, um, you know, it, it was, I, I really kind of took that at, at a point in time where that was just kind of a, 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 a personal compliment from one artist to another, which is why that, that kind of meant a lot to me at that, at that point. So. Well, well, it's fabulous. You know what, so Eric, what are you, what are you doing now? You, you must still be playing and you're still. Well, uh, well, really my, 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 um, we, we still have, um, the group, the family together. It's under the name after Lutz now, and we've released a uh, product of our own over the last few years, been pretty successful with that. And Paul Peterson, who was the original singer in the family, who was the lead singer in, in F Deluxe also, he and I have been collaborating together for the last several years on, on a jazz uh, project we call LP Music. And we are actually in the studio right now working on our first album for that. We actually did uh, a pledge drive, uh, you know, a crowdfund um, for that project through pledgemusic.com. And if anybody is interested in, in wanting to help us out, you can go to pledgemusic.com and look up under LP Music and, and get all the, the information on what we're doing with that. So we're really busy completing this album because the album is going to be released to all of the people that have pledged funds to help us do this album on, on October 31st. So that's basically what uh, what my main musical involvement is at, at, at this point. Well, fantastic. What we'll do is when we uh, post this, uh, we'll put up a blog with uh, photos and everything of what you've got up for cool. sale. And we'll go ahead and link that to your page. Let's, let's, let's uh, not only uh, sell these things for as much as we can, let's try to get as much interest uh, on your project. And I look forward oh, to it. We really, really appreciate that. Cause that's, that's, uh, that's new business. <laughs> Un- understood. And it's great to hear that you're still out there, you know, creating and being the artist uh absolutely and and you know obviously in those years you spent with prince uh you must have you you, you must have seen a true talent uh at work well that, that was that was that was you know certainly part part of of you know the the greatest thing was just having the opportunity to be part of of the process of of you know a remark a musician that was as remarkable as prince was yeah well um 
Eric Leeds, thank you so much uh, for, for taking the time to speak with us. And uh, uh, Absolutely. And, and uh, I, I, you know, a big shout out and thanks to any and everybody who supported me in my career all of these years and is still interested in, in what I do, whether it's on my own or the things that I did while working with Prince. And, and I appreciate the support to everybody. Bob, thank you very much also. Sure thing, Eric. Great, great. And uh, we'll look forward to the results. And hopefully uh, on auction night, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a call as well. So Eric Leeds, everybody, great. thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was Prince, tenor sax player, Eric Leeds, a very accomplished musician. Uh, as we said, we're going to have that big auction September 27, 2017. You can check it out uh, at rrauction.com. Uh, search for Eric Leeds. You'll be able to see everything that we talked about and more. Um, it's really a, always a great, great chance to pick up some historically significant items from RR Auction. So we'll see you out there, and thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.